Section twenty six of A Day at a Time by Archibald Alexander. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Section twenty six The Art of Doing Without. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Philippians chapter four, verse twelve. In one of his letters, Paul declares that he knows both how to be abased and how to abound. Most people, who did not stop to think, would be inclined to assert that the second of these lessons did not require much learning. It's an easy enough thing to be content, they would say, when you have plenty. Far harder is it to learn how to do without. I am not at all sure that this is right. I rather think that, of the two, abundance is a more searching test of a man's true quality than scarcity ever is. Carlyle has declared that for one man who will stand prosperity, there are a hundred who will stand adversity. But whether that be so or not, there is no question that it is a great thing to have the secret of doing without. And the merest glance abroad convinces us that it is of the utmost importance. In literature, for example, the quality which confers most distinction upon style is the art of omission. Did not Stevenson, himself a master, say that one who knew what to omit could make the Iliad of the daily newspaper? And the commonest blunders in the great business of living spring from ignorance of this secret. Why do some people make themselves disagreeable in a community by their touchiness and sulkiness? Simply because they have not learned how to be abased, how to live without getting their own way always, or without getting the praise or recognition to which they feel themselves entitled. It's an art, you see, which is well worth studying. It has to be added that opportunities for practicing it are never long wanting from anybody. We don't need to choose what things we shall do without, as a rule. The things are simply taken from us, or we never get them. It may be our own fault, or it may not. The result is the same. We have to do without and we give away our inmost self by the fashion in which we do it. There is, for example, the question of material goods. It is easy to talk unreal nonsense here, and we must all confess to wishing to have more of this sort of property than we do possess. But I honestly believe that the Apostle Paul did not greatly concern himself whether he was, materially speaking, well off or ill off. There are other men that one knows who have attained to the same point of view, there's no question either that for those whose religion is a vital thing, it is the right point of view. The real man is independent of either riches or poverty because the real man is the man inside. Riches is not you. Poverty is not you. You are what you are in your inner spirit. The riches there are invisible, but they are eternal. Love, faith, hope, peace. And the man who has these, as Paul had them, can honestly say that it is of relatively small moment whether he is, in a material sense, rich or poor. Or take the question of friendship. Who can tell in adequate words what it means to have one true, loyal friend? But it has happened sometimes that the very closest friendships are broken and a man has to stand alone, not by his own choice, but by the grim ordering of things. There is a higher obligation than that you kept faith with your friends. First and foremost, you must keep faith with yourself and with your own conscience, with the voice within. And it may be that obedience to that involves seeming disloyalty to your friends, either for a while or permanently. 
such a time came to Paul. He had for conscience's sake to stand alone, and he did it. He was able to do it because his life did not rest for its ultimate pillar on his friendships any more than on his riches. Paul's real life was within. That inner life of his was enriched and made radiant and constant by one supreme fact. He believed that Jesus Christ, his Lord, deigned to share it with him in spirit. It is not irreverent to say that in his inner soul Paul lived with Christ. Maybe his words are too big for us to use, but each of us who, at some hard bit of our journey, has appealed beyond friends to the Christ within, saying, I have done, O Lord, what seemed to me right, and my friends are hurt and angry, but thou knowest. That man has learned, even in a slight degree, that there is a nearer and truer blessing possible for sinful men than even human friendship. Then there is another thing that has sometimes to be done without. There are privileges that belong to every Christian man and woman, and are, in a sense, their birthright. The sense of God, confidence, quietness of heart, hope. There is no doubt that every real Christian should be walking and working in the light and gladness of God's presence. But it is just as clear that not all are so blessed. It may be their own fault. Doubtless in many cases it is or it may be temperament or outward circumstances that determine it. Anyhow, many have to walk not in the light, but in uncertainty, perplexity, and misgiving, and sometimes even in darkness. But a bird is a bird, even though it cannot sing, and a Christian is a Christian still, even though his soul is dark within him, and he goes on in fear, never daring to look up and hope at all. That is spiritual abasement. It ought not to be. It is never to be lightly acquiesced in, but it happens sometimes to earnest men and women, and it seems to be the settled condition of a few. Is it possible to do without these things? Can a man manage to exist and even move forward who has, for a while, lost his hold on his faith and on God? There are good and godly men who have done it. Brother Lawrence did it. Robertson of Brighton did it. Horace Bushnell did it and many, many more. When all that they held most precious in faith had been eclipsed for the time, they steered still by the little light they knew. Though there should be no heaven, they resolved that they were called to be pure, truthful, patient, kind, since these things could never be wrong. Though there were no Christ, they would still follow where he had once seemed to invite them. And so doing and so following, they came again to know. The darkness passed, and faith and gladness returned. They had lost hold of God for a little, but he had never lost hold of them. And, brethren, whatever the doubt or darkness be, that's always true. That is what may make it even blessed. For it is better to walk in the dark with God than to walk alone in the light. Better to walk with God by faith than to walk alone by sight prayer. Our gracious God and Father in heaven, whether thou dost appoint for us poverty or riches, save us from thinking that a man's life consists in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Beyond all our friendships, be thou our friend and helper, and grant us to seek first the blessing of our God. Make us very sure, for their comforting and our own, that when men in their darkness sorely seek thy face, 
the very ache of their quest is token that thou hast already found them. For Jesus' sake. Amen. End of section 26